Journey to Organization, episode 94, Question Catch-Up. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman of Balagan Begone Personal Organization and today I want to answer some questions about well a lot of things that I got questions about. <laughs> some of the questions were a little bit specific to me so I'll do the best I can to get them all and if I miss something please don't hesitate to call me and let me know what I miss because I'm not perfect even though sometimes I like to think I am. I'm definitely not and I am woman enough to admit it. <laughs> uh, but before I get to questions, I just want to remind everybody that the start of the pre-Pesach challenge, Pinless Pesach, is starting on March 3rd. And uh, I'm excited for it. I'm really excited for it. The first few weeks of the challenge are going to be spent getting the house decluttered. And then two weeks before Pesach, we're going to focus on getting ready for Pesach. So even if you're going away, this is still a great challenge for you because you get to spend the first four weeks of the challenge decluttering your home or the first three and a half weeks anyways, decluttering your home and really getting it cleared out. So when you get back from vacation, you will have a clutter-free house, which is a bonus to me. And you get it all for $18. That's amazing. Now you do have to put in some hard work. But I think that it's worth the effort. So I would be honored if you would join me on the painless, painless Pesach decluttering challenge. I, I really, I've developed this action plan to help you get decluttered before Pesach so that you can really arrive at the Seder misudah, organized and feeling calm and relaxed. Like I said, it starts March 3rd, which is the Sunday, and it ends two and a half days before Pesach. Uh, there are some bonus days to like get you through right up to the Seder. So don't worry, I'm, I'm not going to leave you hanging right before. So uh, it costs $18. There is a hotline option to register. Go to RebeccaSaltzman.com forward five. Um, and if you don't have access to the internet, then leave me a voicemail with your name and your number. And I will definitely call you back. In fact, I called a lady back and she was like, what? <laughs> she was a little surprised I think <laughs> she's like I hear your voice and I feel like I know you but it was like weird actually talking to you but I will call you back so if you leave your name and your number I will call you back and um, I can take your credit card over the phone and it's it'll uh, you know it's exciting and I already got some great feedback from the challenge that people like the the calendar and it's it's great so I'm really excited to be offering it to you like I said it starts Sunday March 3rd um, it's $18 and you can go to RebeccaSaltzman.com forward slash Pesach 45 or leave me a voicemail with your information and I will call you back or your email. So you can send me an email for those of you who have email. Um, so the first, um, question that I got was from a lady who thought I don't have a daughter. <laughs> and or her thinks I don't have a daughter and she proceeded to tell me how girls have much more stuff than boys do and how maybe some of the things I I'm not I'm saying doesn't really apply to me because or like I don't understand because I don't have a, have a daughter but I do have a daughter and a lot of the the questions that I got were well you only have two kids but I actually have three kids. <laughs> so I have two boys and a girl. My youngest two are a boy and a girl and they are twins. Um, so yeah, 
basically when my twins were born, my older son was only 21 months older. So I have three kids under three. I know that it's hectic. I know that it's crazy. I don't have five kids or seven kids, but I definitely understand what it feels like to be full on baby in your house. <laughs> um, when my when all three of my kids were born, uh, my husband was also in graduate school and I was also working. So I worked from home, but um, I definitely understand what it feels like to have a lot on my plate, even though my challenges might not be exactly the same as yours. Uh, I definitely have challenges. You know, even if I only had two kids, two kids is still hard. <laughs> Although I heard what I've always read is that three kids is the hardest number because they're not in pairs and you don't have one that's old enough to help like with the younger one. So like when you have four kids, they each have like a buddy. When you have five kids, the older one helps with uh, the youngest one and the three in the middle are like together. Anyway, you could tell me if I'm totally off base, but that's what I've always I've always heard about that. Um, with three, they're usually like... Uh, <laughs> They're usually so close in age that they can't really, you know, help each other. Anyways, at least that's the situation for mine. Um, so, right. So the lady thought that I didn't have a daughter. But the thing is, is I just don't really like to talk about my kids so specifically because I don't think that it's fair to them. And even if they give me permission, I kind of feel like they don't really know what they're signing up for. As a side note, I do check in with my husband regular about uh, regularly about what I plan to say so I don't feel so bad talking about him and like specifics more like about him, but I definitely know that he know he definitely knows what I'm what I'm talking about. Anyways, um, but I I just don't like to talk about my kids. I feel like if there's something that's really relevant to say, then it's worth saying. But for the most part, I find that. I just like to keep their sort of identity and their self more private. I never feature my kids online. Um, I, I don't even think I've ever said their names. I really just don't. I, I, I like to give them their anonymity, their privacy. Anyway, uh, my daughter, but I will go ahead and divulge you today to you today that a little bit about my daughter. Um, because I think it's worthwhile that you understand sort of the situation in our house, even with a daughter. So my daughter has her own toys. She definitely has more stuff than my boys. She has her own room. She loves crafting. She knows how to crochet and sew. She loves to draw. She loves to create. It kind of means she has a lot of junk. Sometimes her room is a mess. <laughs> I will admit that. I don't make a big deal out of it. Because when she feels like she's reached the threshold, she cleans it up. Sometimes it's such a mess that she asks for help. She's 10 and a half now. Most of the time, she's able to really clear out her clutter herself. She's able to sort through what she wants and what she doesn't want. The only time I really have to help her is when we're going through her clothes. She wants me to sit with her and try them on. She wants me to fold them for her. She she likes that aspect, but mostly I think it's not because she needs my help. It's because she likes spending that time with me. Uh, and that's fine. And I'm happy to do that with her. And we do that. And before we go away for the summer to America, usually we go to America for the summer. Um, 
we go through all her clothes we see what fits her we see what doesn't fit her we make a list and we go shopping when we're in the u.s and we buy what we need for her for the year and you know she's a 10 year old girl 10 and a half year old girl she grows <laughs> and I don't always buy her everything she needs or sometimes you know her clothes are too become too small about on her and so I do have to sometimes fill in and go shopping for her but I don't think she has a ton of clothes <laughs> she has actually the smallest closet in the house she probably has the least clothing out of all of us that's saying something because I don't actually have a ton of clothing either um, I buy her, like I said, in America for the year. I buy her enough clothing for a week or 10 days. And since we do laundry several times a week, it, you know, it's never been an issue. She has two Shabbat dresses. Uh, she's at a stage where she's really growing. So I don't really want to spend a ton of money on clothes that she won't wear or she won't wear out. And if she does need something, we go to the mall and we buy it. Um, it just... <sighs> I don't know. I, d I don't buy my kids too much. I, f I don't feel bad though spending money on my kids or myself or even my husband when we need something uh, or even if we just want something. I don't feel bad spending money on it. And actually I want to share this experience that I had at the mall with my daughter a few weeks ago. She really needed some new sneakers. <laughs> and usually I buy shoes when we're in uh, America for her because she has wide feet and it's hard for her to get shoes here in Israel especially to find the wide foot and actually good quality shoes here can sometimes be difficult to find in general so I usually buy my kids two pairs of sneakers when we're in the US they alternate them every day and they last them usually for for a year but sometimes they grow out of them before we get the full year out of them but even so they're usually pretty done anyways by the time we get the full year out of them but my daughter and I went to the mall because she needed new sneakers and we stopped in like five stores before we got to the Nike store and she tried on the shoes and they were okay. At least they probably would have been okay once they stretched a little bit, but they were like kind of small. She actually noticed the price before I even asked her how much they cost and she thought they were kind of expensive and she said, mommy, are you going to spend that much money on me? <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? If you need sneakers, I'm happy to buy them for you. You need to wear them for gym class, then whatever it is, you need them. But, you know, be sure that these are the ones you really want. And I could tell that they didn't really fit her so comfortably. She liked the way they looked, but they, they weren't, I could tell that they kind of weren't so comfortable. I could tell that it wasn't just the money that was giving her pause. I could tell that, like, she really wasn't sure if she liked them. So I said to her, let's put these on hold. We can come back. <laughs> you know, we asked the lady to put them on hold. I said, just, just put them on hold till, till tomorrow morning. If we come back, then we come back. And if not, then not. And I said to her, to my daughter, let's walk around the mall and see what else we can, we can find. And so we did. And we found another shoe store. We found a Foot Locker. And I didn't, like, I knew that they had a Foot Locker in Israel, but it's still kind of surprising to see American chains in Israel. And they're dressed up like referees, just like they are in America. And it's, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's good. It's good branding. They, they do it right at Foot Locker. But they had um, a pair of Converse sneakers that she really liked. The second she saw them, she was just, like, convinced. These are the ones I had to have. There was almost no doubt in her mind those were the ones that she wanted. They were more than half of what the pair at Nike cost. 
and she felt really confident. So I said to her, try them on, see how they fit. If you like them, we'll get them. So she tried them on. They fit. Everything just seemed more right. And she learned a valuable lesson. She learned that if something doesn't feel right, it's okay to walk away from it, even if it's something that you really do need. She really did need a pair of sneakers. It's okay to walk out of the mall without buying anything if it's not exactly what you want. Now, there are certain cases where sometimes you just have to buy something. Like, I'll give you an example. I once had to go to a bar mitzvah for my cousin. <laughs> we were staying in a hotel in Connecticut. And uh, we this was when we lived in the Lower East Side. We had, like, narrowly escaped and made it to Connecticut before Shabbos. It was the wintertime. And... My husband and I had our clothes in a hanging bag that my husband hung on the door. And, um, oh, my husband and I had a hanging bag that hung on the door in our house. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think my husband had his suit. He must have had his suit because only I needed to buy a dress. Anyways, my dress didn't make it to Connecticut. So right before, like, it was really tight. Like, by the time everything ended and, um, it, like, Shabbos ended and the bar mitzvah, between the time that Shabbos was ending and the party was starting, we didn't have a lot of time. But there was a mall nearby and we ran, I ran into, uh, I think it was Lord and Taylor. And I'm like, I just need a dress, any dress. I don't care. I just, I couldn't show up in like what I was wearing. It was like a really formal event and I couldn't show up. I ran into the store. I put on the dress and I tried on like three dresses and I'm just like, you know what? I don't have a lot of time. I picked one dress. It was fine. Turned out it ended up be having, being my favorite dress. <laughs> I wore it for years and years and I loved it. And I wore it all the time, everywhere until it really got ruined. But, um... Yeah, in that situation, I couldn't walk out with nothing, so I did the best that I could. But most situations aren't like that. Most situations aren't so pressing that you can't walk away with nothing. It's okay. You can give yourself an extra day or two days or whatever just to find something that you like better. So giving yourself that time and that space, it's a good thing. And and, and I think it really helped my daughter understand the value of the money like I was willing to spend the money on her but she, but after this experience she understood that like even if you're willing to spend the money sometimes buying something you don't like won't really fix the problem because if those shoes wouldn't have fit her even if I did spend the money and buy them on her buy them for her she wouldn't have worn them because they wouldn't have been comfortable so uh especially with shoes <laughs> Dafka with shoes it's important to not buy things if they don't feel right. And I think that that's a really good, um, anyways, lesson for everything in life. If something doesn't feel right, you can walk away. Uh, it's okay. It's okay to walk away. Anyway, my daughter, I feel like she's a minimalist when it comes to clothing. She knows when she needs something new, uh, and she knows that when she needs something new, I'll get it for her. And I think that that makes her feel satisfied with what she has because she knows that she can always get what she needs. I think that she still gets tempted, but she's 10. So <laughs> overall, I feel like we're on a good path.
Anyway, the listener went on to say that she understood that I had been living in a small house before, so it makes sense to have less stuff, but what happens if you live in a big house? And I am probably the only person who made Aliyah, who moved to Israel, from a small cramped New York apartment to a much larger house. (laughs) In New York, we had about 900 square feet and half of it was hallway. But here in Israel, we have probably closer to 1,500 square feet and we have a really beautiful yard and we have way more space here than we ever had before. My kitchen is a really good size. My living room and dining room area is large enough to host 30 people sitting down. They're attached to each other. The bedrooms are really well sized and every corner in my house is not full of stuff. Now, I really could have filled it full with stuff, but I don't. (laughs) I like it clear. I like that I can see the corners. I, I don't feel bad that there isn't stuff tucked into every corner. The house isn't empty. I think if you ask my husband, he'll say, well, have, we have too much stuff. But honestly, I don't feel the need to have more than what we have. I think that we have a good amount. I think we could even probably trim a little bit more. But my life is great with just the amount of stuff we have. And I feel like my life is great not filling up the house with stuff. And I think that when we imp- increase our house size, sometimes we have a tendency to feel like, okay, now we have a little more space, we can have a little more stuff. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes you do need extra stuff in a larger space, but proceed with caution because before you know it, you can get to be, you know, living in 102 tons of trash. (laughs) Like you got to be careful. Now I know that there's, there's a big leap in between you know, hoarding and just having your house be a little too full, but it's a slippery slope. So you got to watch out. Uh, I think that when you have less stuff, you navigate through things better because there's just less to be distracted by. And so even though my house got bigger, yeah, we did buy stuff. I'm not saying we didn't buy an extra bed or, you know, a sofa or a dining room table, but all of the stuff that we have is appropriate for the size of our house without filling the house overly with stuff. So we made Aliyah with uh, a bed for each person, five beds plus each, well, except plus the kids' beds each have a a high riser. So we have the, my boys share a room and my daughter has her own room, but we have a guest room and we didn't have a bed for it. So for a long time, we had one single twin bed that we had taken from from one of the kids' rooms just to be in here because we had people staying in here. But ultimately, it wasn't really enough. We needed to have the extra beds because we have enough company that we needed one extra bed. And I bought an extra bed for the guest room. And I have to say, actually, when my parents come or when we have like a very VIP guest, a lot of times we give up our room. My husband and I give up our room and we sleep in the guest room. And I gotta say, I love sleeping in the guest room. The mattress is so comfortable. (laughs) It's a great bed. I really love it. Um, But anyway, the point is, is even though we did get something for the guest room specifically the guest room isn't full of stuff I didn't you know put all this extra stuff in it and it's not like a depository for for all the excess stuff in my house so a lot of people have a guest room 
but it's also their storage unit and the closet is full and nobody can hang up anything in the closet and it's true that I actually do my recordings in the closet in the guest room because it's actually the smallest room in the house so it has the least like noise plus it's in the back of the house so it's not really facing the street and has the least noise and I line the closet with blankets so that I don't get so much reverb um, I hope it works <laughs> but anyways when I have a guest, I just pull the blankets down. It's not a big deal. The closet isn't totally full and they can hang up their stuff and it's amazing for them. So even though I did have a small house and now I do have a bigger house, I don't really feel, I think I actually have less stuff now than when I had a smaller house, honestly. Uh, so yeah, that's the answer to that. But it leads me to my next listener. <laughs> who reminded me that a lot of my listeners has four, five, six, and even greater numbers of children than that. And believe me, I don't forget that. <laughs> uh, I don't forget that a lot of people are have bigger families than I do. Um, but remember that my routines, the what I specifically spoke about in the last few episodes, are just what I do. But it can compute to a larger family, even if they live in a small space, because plenty of my clients have five or more kids and they have way too much stuff and they live in these small spaces. They can't get to do routines, even if they want to, because they are always doing triage. They are always troubleshooting. So I do triage too in my house, <laughs> but it's a lot less stressful than what I see my clients go through because... They are also dealing with living in a big giant mess. Once they actually go through the decluttering process, and it can take a long time, their lives are definitely better. When you have a large family, it can take longer to get all the decluttering done, even if you live in a small space. But I really believe that the end result is worth it. Now, right now I have two ladies in my Conquer Your Clutter class, challenge class, and they both have five or more kids and they are doing amazing. And I adapted the challenge a little bit for them just to get them through it. But honestly, the progress that they made is so amazing and they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Now, neither of them have big houses. They both live in Israel. Neither of them live in big houses. They have both apartments. They set aside the time to get the house decluttered and they are decluttering. <laughs> And it's having less is really paying off for them, even though they're not finished with all the rooms in their house, even though we're halfway through the challenge, the challenge is paying off for them. So they live in a small space with a lot of kids, but they see the benefit in having less and they see, even though they are dedicating time to decluttering, which does take time, they are definitely seeing the impact of extra time, spending less time doing other stuff because they have less stuff. The thing about decluttering is if you want to get it done, you have to make time for it because no one can wave their magic wand and make it happen. I don't have a magic wand. I kind of wish I did, but I don't have one. So I'm stuck doing everything the hard way like everyone else now. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. You need to dedicate a lot of time to decluttering. I like to say it's one month for every year you've been a clutter bug. So if it's been 10 years, 10 months. 
It is possible, though, to cross the finish line, but you have to do it slow and steady so that it really makes a dent in the way that you deal with your life in general. I would say if you, well, when my clients get to the end of their process, they call me once in a while for a touch-up, maybe once a year. Depends also on their age. But in general, they call me maybe once a year just to do a touch-up. But it's it's really not like a big thing. Like they're okay. Usually they only want to touch up if they're moving or if they have a baby, but sometimes they call me even if they're not. But the, but the thing is, is it's just a touch up. When I go back there, the house isn't in shambles. Like the first time I got there, the house is reasonable. It just needs a little bit extra second pass. I think that is the difference between weight loss and losing clutter is that in my experience, people don't put on the, the clutter like they do with weight loss. So studies show that, um, when you lose weight, if you aren't careful and do maintenance, you gain the weight back plus extra, but I don't see that to be true in decluttering. Uh, I think that most of the time when people actually cross the finish line and get to their goal of like every room being touched once at least and decluttered, then they don't, they don't go back to being clutter bugs. So something to think about if you actually cross the finish line, I really think that, you know, it's worth it. You won't go back. So it doesn't matter how many kids you have really, or how big your space is. Having less is, you know, better. I just want to say this. I remember learning about the Beitamik Dash, about how it could or will be able to expand to accommodate however many people need to be accommodated. And I always thought like, wow, physical space shifting. That's so weird. But I think that that's something that's like, not natural. I know that that's something that's not natural and it doesn't happen to us in everyday life. And people forget that about their homes, that your home isn't necessarily going to accommodate. It's not going to physically get bigger to accommodate, you know, more stuff. So you have to be careful and conscientious about what comes into your house because your house is not the Beitamigdash, right? It doesn't expand naturally to, uh, to accept, to hold more things in your home. So, so that's also another thing. Like the less you have, the more comfortable you're really going to be because physically you'll be more comfortable. Okay. So the next question, and I get this question a lot is photographs. What do I do with photographs? I personally have photo albums. We look through them sometimes. I hardly ever take pictures anymore. And the pictures that I do take, I never print. So the albums are kind of old. But if I had to do it again, I think I would store them in boxes, not albums. First of all, upfront boxes take a lot less work than albums because, you know, you got to glue the or slide them in the slots, glue them on the page, whatever. With the boxes, you just slide them into the box. It's, it's much easier. Plus, I feel like the boxes take up less space or better space um, than the albums do. I would be more conscientious about what photographs I keep. Uh, Every picture is not a treasure. (laughs) It just isn't. So know what's a great photograph and what isn't a great photograph. And I think that that will help in how many photographs you actually have. 
So moving on, I got a question about diapers. I got to tell you, it's been 10 years, well, eight maybe, since my kids were in diapers. Now, we were not zero waste when we had our last baby, uh, babies. If I had to diaper my baby right now, I'd like to think I would do it in cloth diapers, but I really can't say. <laughs> so I'm not going to pretend to be all high and mighty here. <laughs> I will say that when we did have babies, we used seventh generation diapers, which are not bleached white. And people would always come up to me and be like, I think your kid has a dirty diaper. And I'd be like, nope, that's just the diaper. But anyway, we uh, always lived in an apartment with kids and we were fairly close to the trash room. <laughs> so we would just walk the diapers outside and chuck them, at least with the oldest. With the younger ones, since I had three kids in diapers all at once, we were taking the trash out at least once a day, sometimes twice. So I just threw them in the trash can and took the bag out at the end of the day. Now, the lady who called me asked me about what she could do, what kind of bag she could use so that diapers don't release their odors. So I'm not a big bag fan. Um, the truth is, I don't know the answer. <laughs> so... Uh, I know a lot of my clients like the diaper genie, but not all of them. So I'm putting out the question to you listeners. What do you do for non-smelly diaper, di diaper removal uh, before you actually take out the whole garbage? So let me know. Leave me a message and let me know what you do because it's a good question and I don't know. And in terms of eco-friendly, obviously putting it in anything other than a uh, biodegradable bag isn't great but even the biodegradable bags don't really biodegrade and they tend to rip and they don't really contain smells that well so um, open to hearing what everybody else has to say so finally my final follow-up question for today was regarding a cleaning solution um, I said a few weeks ago that I take the rind of the citrus fruit and put it in vinegar and I usually do half vinegar half rind but there were two questions. What is the rind and which fruits do I use? So I mostly use lemons, but you could also use orange or even grapefruit if you wanted to. Citrus are, you know, those three things. Also limes, I think. Uh, and anything that has, like, grows from a tree with, the, like, a thick skin falls into that. Like, that's juicy that you could juice, right? That's all citrus. Um, and the rind is just the outer peel, and it can include the white part, which is called the pith. So um, I leave it under my kitchen sink for a few weeks and it smells great and it lasts a really long time. So I don't do it too often because, you know, it lasts a long time, but um, I think it's good. It smells good and it works pretty well. So I think I'm caught up. If you have any more questions, feel free to let me know. I, um, I did get a question about mold. So whoever called, I heard you. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> I have an expert lined up to talk about it and address it with us. So um, if you have any questions about mold, feel free to send them in in advance so I could make sure to get them asked. Uh, I have a few other exciting guests coming on the podcast in the next few weeks. So stay tuned. I'm excited for that. And in the meantime, I hope you will join me in the Pesach challenge, the Painless Pesach challenge. Uh, if you hear this episode after March 3rd, I still think you should join the challenge because there's really a lot of great information in it. And for $18, even if you don't do the whole challenge, it's still 
pretty worth it. So until next time, have a great week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.